Welcome to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. These are informal conversations between leaders about educational issues and initiatives. We share them to inspire and inform you so that you may have a greater influence through your instructional leadership. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land across central Queensland on which we play, learn and work. I respect and honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander educators listening. I recognise the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island peoples on this land and commit to building a brighter future together. Hi, I'm Trudy, your host for the show. I'm an Assistant Regional Director in Central Queensland based in Rockhampton and today I have Kate Ingram with me and Kate is the Regional Youth Engagement Coordinator. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Trudy. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because today we are talking about student engagement and wellbeing because both of those are an area that you're now a sub-team lead with and we're going to hear about that in the conversation, aren't we? Yes, definitely an area I'm passionate about. So in our usual CQA, Kate, let's kick off with the one-word barometer, how are you? And our conversation starter for today, Kate, is what has been the most remarkable thing about 2021 so far for you? So one word check-in. I am going to be brutally honest and say nervous. <laughs> um, one of the most remarkable things about 2021 for me, um, two sides. Personally, I had my um, son start prep. Um, so having worked so much in the senior space, it's a great time for me to start to view what the younger years look like. Um, and the other part is getting to work across uh, regional teams and across communities looking at the Engaging Communities Empowering Futures Framework for our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. Big changes for you and especially with your son starting prep, that's a, that's a big step. So welcome to the world of um, <laughs> a mum of school age kids. That's right, 13 years to go. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the work with the partnerships and pathways is so very important and again I think we'll hit on that in our conversation yeah Um, for me I'm probably feeling a bit lighter this afternoon so that'll be my one word and most remarkable thing about 2021 so far for me would have to be having the experience of self-isolating there a few weeks ago having um, visited Brisbane in that time span that required anyone else in the state to self-isolate and I have to say, Kate, two days working at home, I had a whole new appreciation for what working parents did when they were, uh, you know, we were in lockdown last year for all those weeks and um, how hard it must have been for them to maintain their work commitments and look after children who were learning at home. So almost a nice break to come back to work oh yeah and look I was at home working for just two days with two other adults in the house and I couldn't do it so I'm, I don't know how you could do it with school kids and yeah like I said appreciation is probably doesn't say enough but it, it, it would have been a tough gig for our parents so Kate let's kick off with the conversation that we want to have around 
What's in the space for principals to be aware of in terms of student engagement and wellbeing from a, from your role yep. in in our regional team? Such a big big question. Um, I guess if I start with we've got a we've got quite a large team. Um, I alongside Debbie Webb, our principal advisor for student protection, um, look after our wellbeing and engagement um, sub team. Um, which includes um, a whole host of amazing people that support um, the wellbeing side of things, retention, um, engagement, um, regional youth support coordinators, regional community education counsellor, Indigenous Pathways and Partnerships officers, um, PBL, PLC, um, GO for mental health. So a very varied um, group, but all with um, as all of our regional team and I know our schools do with um, students at the centre of what we do um, but I guess the the engagement component is such a huge um, huge word um, so we look at and such a broad topic um, part of I guess what the team does is in that retention space um, and there are some specific programs I guess that we work with and initiatives that we work with that target in on um, young people that have significantly um, disengaged from education um, and also young people that may have detached completely from from education there's so much in there isn't there and the other bit too we probably should just put this in the context of the, the sub teams as you called it now we've our state schooling actually has three sub teams yep so do you want to talk just very quickly about the other two. Yeah, I'd love to. We've, so a part of the state schooling sub-teams, we like to call them sub-teams because we are one giant team and we do work across um, all those sub-areas. Um, we've got the teaching and learning sub-team uh, with Kelly Kennedy and Leanne Burke um, leading, I guess, that, that piece of work. And also the transitions and inclusion sub-team, um, which is Marie Dwyer and Deb Green. Um, that look after those spaces but obviously there's significant um, crossover in in all the work that we do mm. um, we've been doing actually a lot of work with the teaching and learning sub team really I guess looking at and building an understanding of how the Australian curriculum is the foundation for engagement so within the Australian curriculum and getting quality teaching and learning practices right it gives us the opportunity to have these students engaged from the beginning and giving them all the skills that they need to be able to be successful. Um, and it's really exciting to see where the general capabilities can support those skills, especially when we start to look at the 21st century skills for work and as our young people transition out of education. Um, and also uh, with the cross-curriculum priorities and embedding Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander perspectives, um, having our young people and our students see themselves within the curriculum is such a vital part keeping that engagement. Yeah, Kate, you make such a great point um, around students seeing themselves in the curriculum and I know that there has been work in a number of schools around contextualising the curriculum so that it is relevant in the local context but also really paying attention to those um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander histories and cultures within so um, it's lovely that you touched on that because in our work in trying to build in a more inclusive education, all of those components are so 
so vitally important. And it's actually a really exciting time, I think, in that space, um, walking alongside communities and learning from families and connecting with people in ways that we haven't before to be able to co-design that learning for our kids is really exciting. Yeah, yeah. And you you mentioned that at the start in your, in your check-in, that partnership piece. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? I certainly can do. <laughs> there is, that has come out at the end of last year, what they call the Engaging Communities Empowering Futures Framework, um, which is a framework around our engagement, I won't say just engagement, but our, how we work with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And a lot of that conversation that we're having at the moment is having a look at how we are tracking with that framework um, as a region and um, also I guess looking at where are some areas that we can really start to dig in and try to do do some more work and uh, do better and there's some uh, exceptional pieces of work happening across the region already. Um, how do we celebrate what's happening and showcase what's happening um, I know that we've got uh, principals along with Cindy Willett, one of our Indigenous Pathways and Partnerships officers in Mackay, doing a principal walk on country with Uncle George, and also moving that through to working to take that information and contextualise it and map how it can look in the classroom. So really exciting pieces of work there that are happening, and I'm eager to see what it means for our kids in the classroom. Yeah. And it's lovely you talk about that because you and I have kind of got a bit of a plan going that I'm going to do some episodes with Cindy and the lovely Sophia and Charmaine. That's going to be really terrific to be able to talk to each one of those ladies and their work and hear their stories as well. Absolutely. Now, Kate, one of the things you've referenced here is Future Ready. Can you talk to us about that? Yep. So there's... Um, amazing pieces of work happening at a state level um, around uh, looking at the importance of career development within the context of P to 12. Um, so the fact that career development um, and understanding of that doesn't just sit in the senior spaces. And there is a national career development strategy that complements the Australian curriculum, the eight learning areas, the general capabilities and the cross-curriculum priorities. And some of the areas that they are identified in the report was really around supporting our students to make informed choices to navigate future careers, especially because we know that the way of work is changing quite significantly and our students are going to need to rely on the skills that they develop through school, those those general capabilities essentially, to navigate their way through different careers and identify, I guess, how those skills are transferable across multiple jobs. Part of the work we do with with young people, especially, I guess, the work that we do once there is some significant disengagement in place or um, even detachment um, from education, is going back and looking at their individual skills and their strengths and their areas of interest and how does that align to opportunities for careers for them. And it's such an integral part to engagement in that it gives a lot of um, a lot of our young people the why. Yeah, and working from a strengths perspective. Absolutely. Part of, I guess, the, the other part of what we do is support that career exploration. But like you said, it's also recognising what the strengths are and how can they build on the strengths that they do have and not let, I guess, circumstance 
um, dictate what opportunities are available to them in life. Mm. So, Kate, one of the things that I know you are heavily involved with is the Youth Engagement Hub. So can you talk to us a little bit about that work? I sure can. The Youth Engagement Hubs are a state-funded project um, to identify and re-engage young people who have detached or significantly disengaged from education. Um, in central Queensland, uh, our work in this initiative is really focusing in this 15 to 17 year age range. We are focusing specifically um, in on young people that have completely detached from education and working where schools have exhausted strategies with young people that may still have active enrolments. So the scope is quite big. Um, I know in the Those Who Disappear report by Dr Jim Watterson and Megan O'Connell across Australia, it's thought that there is potentially up to 50,000 young people that disappear from our schooling systems. So there is, I guess, a, a big investment and also a recognition that it is a huge piece of work that we, not only as education, but as a community and other government agencies need to look at addressing. The youth engagement hubs and the way in which we've structured them um, in central Queensland is that we have four localised hubs, um, one in Rockhampton, one in Gladstone, one in Mackay and one in central Highlands. And they're overseen by uh, an interagency committee that is supported and led by um, the high school principals in that local area. So the work that we're doing there is to identify young people that perhaps have left our system that don't have uh, valid pathways that we know about and also working with other agencies to identify young people that have come into our area that we might not be aware of that perhaps haven't come through that state scoring system. Under that initiative we have also employed transition pathways officers in each of those local areas to case manage the young people to link with services that may already be available, but also to work with the committee around where there may be gaps in services that we could look at addressing as a, as a larger group, not just education, but with child safety, youth justice and other agencies. You've really highlighted there how important it is across government and you know cross agency work to, for that to be a success. Absolutely, and that's a part of the um, Advancing Education, the Youth Engagement Strategy that sits under that. There is what they call the Youth Engagement Alliance, which is um, signed off and agreed to. There is a pledge from multiple government um, agencies and the DGs of those agencies have signed a pledge to work together to look at reducing that rate of disengagement. There is actually some amazing resources that are available um, on the website, which I can um, give you the link to, uh, in around interagency collaboration, in relation to sharing information across agencies and, and breaking down what that looks like and trying to remove some of those barriers to supporting young people and their families. Often um, some of our most significantly um, disengaged young people and their families have multiple agencies working with them um, but it doesn't always happen in a cohesive or a intentionally planned way um, so increasing those opportunities I think is is really um, hopefully will give our families some better families better outcomes yeah and 
that document that you referred to, we'll absolutely put that in the show notes. And you mentioned one earlier that I'd love to go back to because you've actually pulled out some really inter interesting um, research and that was Dr. Jim Waterston's and Megan O'Connell's Those Who Disappear report. The statistic you shared around 50,000 unaccounted for across Australia, that's huge. It's, I don't want to say it's terrifying, <laughs> but it is. You know, these are our young people. This is anywhere from prep through to year 12. Again, there are no there are no national data sets to give us a true indication. It's one of the things as a region that we are focused on. We have had conversations for a long time is our early school leavers with no valid destinations. Mm. So we also know within when young people leave our schools, there are amazing things within our schools that support young people to transition. But it's I guess the youth engagement hub's intent is where schools haven't been able to support that transition, can we pick up to assist? And there's a whole number of factors that are the causes for yeah. this to occur? There's a lot of factors identified in, um, in that report, um, including identity issues, learning difficulties, financial resources, um, domestic violence, mental illness, um, school connectedness was a really interesting one um, that came up. Uh, relationships with teachers and peers, um, bullying were some of the things that were fed back through the report. With the youth engagement hubs, we actually did a bit of a deep dive with our regional steering committee. So we have a, a committee that sits over the top of all the work that we do, which is um, has membership from regional directors from different agencies. And we had a look at some of the young people that we were case managing and backtracked. Um, and through that, we also found some some commonalities. So some of the young people, you could start to see that disengagement in their year five mm -hmm. level and it continuing where they may have been without a home care, uh, where there has been a, a change in placement. How do we plan to support that young person while they're changing residential? Mm -hmm. um, the other things that came up uh, was very much around uh, that six to seven transitions they're transitioning into a different environment so there was I guess lots of indicators that has given us opportunity to see that the work we're doing now is being targeted in the right place because we know that there is a lot of work to support um, those areas happening at the moment yeah and that makes me think Kate about how we identify and work with students that are still enrolled in our school but starting to disengage because you know you've kind of talked about two groups today mm -hmm. those that are detached so then they're, they're not actually connected to a school but we've got large numbers of kids that are still connected to a school actively enrolled but various degrees of disengagement from they're not turning up to they're there but in body only and what do we do as educators to, you know, early intervention? What does that look like to support those young people? It's a million dollar question, Trudy. <laughs> um, and look, that there's so many amazing things that schools do. I, I wonder if there's opportunities to, to dig into that deeper to be able to learn where there are good practices. Part of the challenge, I think, is recognising that, yes, we are an education system and there are things we are here for the, the purpose of educating our young people and we hope 
start through this education, they'll have the skills, they'll, they'll get their QCE um, and everything like that. But I think the additional part is how do we support them, one, to explore their, their strengths, to explore their areas of interest, to you know, support them to understand what opportunities are out there for them. I know that there are a lot of schools that have extraordinary um, VET programs, so vocational education and training in schools programs where it allows some of our kids to actually go and do some hands-on work and explore different, different careers. The opportunities that our young people have to go and do work experience has been a great opportunity for some kids to get to see what it's like out in the real world. I know some of that have come back to school and decided that they actually want to focus at school and not be at work, <laughs> which is a good outcome in itself. Yeah. Um, but others have, you know, transitioned from work experience into full-time apprenticeships and traineeships. So whilst I guess that doesn't answer the how do we, you know, uh, work with our most disengaged young people, I think by providing opportunities for them to explore areas of interests through multiple modes or multiple ways how do we be a bit more flexible in how we think about creating those opportunities yeah i would also i'd also recommend where schools do have you know young people that are um, disengaging to seek you know support where they can and we know that that schools certainly do it we've got the cqret at qed.qld.gov.au um, inbox and also one called SVS which is supporting vulnerable students. We don't have a magic wand at the end of that but there is a very dedicated group of people and you know from senior guidance officers to PA mental health to you know all the roles that sit within the state schooling team that may be able to provide some additional advice on, on where the school might be able to try some different strategies. Yeah. Well, thank you for mentioning those support services for schools. I really appreciate it, Kate. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Honestly, Trudy, very excited to see schools and the region recognising that teaching and learning and um, delivering the Australian curriculum doesn't sit aside to engagement can't have one without the other and to have our young people in the position to stay in school that early piece that I know everybody is doing around implementing the Australian curriculum with fidelity and giving all of our young people regardless of their background or their own personal context the chance to really engage yeah and I know the vast majority of schools now too are turning their attention to the pedagogy you know we've got really clear on what we have to teach now it's that craft of how we do it so that we do maintain student engagement and um, you know that love of learning keep them with us for longer well thank you Kate really appreciated all of that that you've shared it's certainly um, significant work and such important work because one of the things we do want is every student succeeding and I think the work that you've talked about it can be some of the most difficult and challenging as educators but so vitally important for every single one of our, our learners. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No worries. So, Kate, I know you listen to the podcast and uh, therefore you would know that we finish with our fast five questions. 
So uh, are you ready to play along? I am. Now, Kate, we just had a little chat beforehand and you don't actually have a teaching background and I normally ask, you know, where and when was your first teaching appointment? So let's change it a little bit, little bit and Kate, tell us a little bit about your background <laughs> into how you came to be doing what you do. Well, thank you. I, I still surprise myself that I'm here doing what I do, um, especially not having a teaching background. Uh, my mum was a teacher librarian for about 40 years, um, so... I guess have really appreciated her feedback and, and watching her in this space for a long time. But I have a community services background, especially around community capacity building, having worked at the Royal Children's Hospital um, Foundation for about eight years, working with social workers and with the kids down there and implementing programs and training, which was amazing. And also uh, having worked with Department of Employment, Small Business and Training in that space. And then I ended up here. Interesting pathway and I, I love finding out about people's backgrounds. It's, it's fascinating. I'd like to think that I'm a good case study for some of our disengaged young people in that there are always opportunities to learn and grow with the job and that I guess where you are at at the end of year 12 doesn't preclude you from going on and achieving other things. That's so very true. So Kate, when you think about your work, what was the last thing that made you smile? I got to spend the last two days with um, Catherine Webb as our um, state schooling director and the other sub-team leads. And it was really heartening and humbling to see that we are all very much on the same page and to see that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander student outcomes doesn't sit aside of what we do and youth engagement doesn't sit aside of what we do that it is all a part of you know knowing your student yeah thank you so Kate what's your best book or film recommendation <laughs> I thought about this and I almost didn't want to admit it but I've been listening to crime novels and I listen to uh, audiobooks and I have to admit that I'm listening to crime novels that are a cross between CSI and Harry Potter at this point in time, but I'll admit it. Um, it, it gets me to turn my brain off after work. But apart from that, the, the last book that really hit my heart was probably called The Rosie Project. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Now, I think I saw that on Audible. Um, can you just, just give us a little snippet of it, please, Kate? Um, it's about a man um, who has uh, autism. Okay. Um, and it's the way in which he negotiates going to find a, find a relationship and he has his set ideals on how this is going to happen. And uh, it's just a, it's a really beautiful look at the world from a different point of view. Great. Thank you. I think you might have convinced me to download that one. Um, what's your favourite quote? I have two favourite quotes, Trudy. One of them was very much resonates with me from the time that I worked at the Children's Hospital, and that is life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. Um, and the other one, I guess, really resonates with me, with the work that we do that we, with the young people, um, is that quote, and I'm sure everyone's heard it, that everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Yeah. Two great quotes. Thank you, Kate, for sharing them. Really appreciate them. 
And lastly, Kate, as far as things to see in CQ, what's our best kept secret? Cybox National Park. Oh, absolutely beautiful by field and um, up that way past there is some of the most magnificent coastline that, that you'll ever have the chance to see. That, you were very quick to answer that one, Kate. It's my happy place. <laughs> and I I'm, have to admit I've not been there and that's not good for someone who's lived in Rockhampton now for 20 years, so I probably need to do something about that. So thank you, Kate, for um, the conversation and for answering our, my fast five and it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. If you have suggestions or recommendations for future episodes or if you'd like to give us the gift of feedback, you can email us at cqcommunications at qed.qld.gov.au. If you have enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You'll find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Deezer. And if you know of an educational leader in central Queensland who may also enjoy listening to the conversations, please help us spread the word by telling them about the podcast or forwarding the email that comes each fortnight with the show notes. Thanks, Kate. Thank you for listening to Central Queensland Region's Reading and Learning Podcast. We trust this conversation has given you the information and inspiration to lead so that every student in our region succeeds.